Politico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Patrick Callanan. And I'm Sarah Callanan. Today in our feature, Enrique Sands from the Indiana Environmental Reporter talks about regulation suspension. That's coming up later in the program. But first, your environmental headlines. People with COVID-19 who live in U.S. regions with high levels of air pollution are more likely to die from the disease than people who live in less polluted areas, according to a new nationwide study from Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. The study is the first to look at the link between long-term exposure to fine particulate air pollution generated largely from fuel combustion from cars, refineries, and power plants, and the risk of death from COVID-19 in the U.S. The study looked at over 3,000 counties across the country, comparing levels of fine particulate air pollution with coronavirus death counts for each area. Adjusting for population size, hospital beds, number of people tested for COVID-19, weather, and socioeconomic and behavioral variables such as obesity and smoking, the researchers found that a small increase in long-term exposure to pollution leads to a large increase in the COVID-19 death rate. The study found, for example, that someone who lived for decades in a county with high levels of fine particulate pollution is 15% more likely to die from COVID-19 than someone who lives in a region that has just one unit, that's one microgram per cubic meter, less of such pollution. The study suggests that counties with higher pollution levels will be the ones that have higher numbers of hospitalizations, higher numbers of deaths, and where many of the resources should be concentrated. Another study shows the same trend. Researchers said air pollution could be the reason two of Italy's hardest hit regions have drastically different COVID-19 mortality rates. Environmental scientists from Erhaus University in Denmark and the University of Siena in Italy looked at why the COVID-19 mortality rate in most of Italy was approximately 4.5%, while the northern part of the country suffered a 12% rate. They concluded that there is a probable correlation between air pollution and mortality in Lombardy and Emilia-Romagna, two of the worst affected regions in northern Italy. The two regions are among the most air-polluted regions in Europe, possibly leading to health complications for residents that contracted the disease. Ashton Blum, MD, an esteemed neurologist and professor at Radboud University, Nii Megan Medical Center in the Netherlands, says that over the next 20 years, the number of people with Parkinson's disease globally will probably double from the current 6.5 million to over 13 million. The major cause? Widespread exposure to pesticide solvents and other neurotoxic chemicals used in agriculture and industry. Blum commented, quote, 
pandemic, as everybody is now painfully aware, is a disease happening worldwide to which no one is immune. Parkinson's fulfills all these criteria, end quote. Blum added that today, Parkinson's is the world's fastest growing neurological disease. Blum is the co-author of a new book, Ending Parkinson's Disease, a Prescription for Action, which he wrote with two other neurologists and a neuroscientist. Blum points to the close link between exposure to pesticides such as Paraquat and the risk of developing Parkinson's. Paraquat destroys the dopamine-producing cells in the brain. The herbicide is legal for use in the U.S., but banned in China. Trichloroethylene, a solvent used in manufacturing, has the same effect on the human brain. There is a way out, Blurm says. Prohibit the use of toxic pesticides, which have been found in milk. Transition to organic food and move away from the use of other neurotoxic chemicals. A new study by Columbia University researchers has found that American robins have adjusted their migration patterns to keep pace with the earlier spring arrivals caused by climate change. By fitting individual robins with small backpacks to track the patterns of migration, the researchers found that robins are migrating five days earlier every decade. Currently, robins are migrating 12 days earlier than they did in 1994. Environmental cues helped the robins make the decision to begin their migration. The tracked robins began heading north earlier during warm and dry winters. Such winters mean the birds must be responding to when food is available, when snow melts and there are insects to get at. The study is part of a NASA-funded project which seeks to understand the vulnerability and resilience of ecosystems in the wake of climate change. While the rest of the world is preoccupied with COVID-19, President Trump is busying himself with plans to mine the moon. He has signed an executive order commanding U.S. corporations to mine the moon for minerals. The 1979 Moon Treaty states that the non-scientific use of resources in space must be governed by international regulations. However, the U.S. didn't sign the treaty. In 2015, Congress passed a law permitting U.S. corporations and citizens to extract resources from the moon and asteroids. Trump's new executive order states, quote, Outer space is a legally and physically unique domain of human activity, and the United States does not view space as a global commons, end quote. Mining the moon commercially by U.S. companies is a prelude to exploring the moon and other celestial bodies by humans. The administration plans to construct a sustainable settlement on the moon. For starters, in 2024, the Artemis III mission will land on the moon's south pole with one male and one female astronaut. The Trump administration is expected to announce its final rule to roll back Obama-era automobile fuel efficiency standards, relaxing efforts to limit climate warming tailpipe pollution and virtually undoing the government's biggest effort to combat climate change. The new rule, written by the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Transportation, would allow cars on American roads to emit nearly a billion tons more carbon dioxide over the lifetime of the vehicles than they would have under the Obama standards. Trump administration officials raced to complete the auto rule by the spring. 
even as the White House was consumed with responding to the coronavirus crisis. President Trump is expected to extol the rule, which will stand as one of the most consequential regulatory rollbacks of his administration, as a needed salve for an economy crippled by the pandemic. Trump's critics said the rule showed the president's disregard for science and could actually harm the economy over time. The administration's own draft economic analysis of the rule showed that it could hurt consumers by forcing them to buy more gasoline. A report by a panel of government-appointed scientists, many of them selected by the Trump administration, concluded that there are significant weaknesses in the scientific analysis. Quote, this is not just an inopportune moment to finalize a major rulemaking, end quote, said Senator Thomas R. Carper of Delaware, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Environment Committee, quote, in this case, it's a completely irresponsible one, end quote. Even many large automakers, which had asked Mr. Trump to slightly loosen the Obama-era rule, had urged him not to roll it back so aggressively, since the measure is certain to get bogged down in court for years, leaving their industry in regulatory limbo. The auto industry has consistently called for year-over-year increases in fuel efficiency, according to an auto spokesperson. The new rule, which is expected to be implemented by late spring, will roll back an Obama rule that required automakers' fleets to average about 54 miles per gallon by 2025. Instead, the fleets would have to average about 40 miles per gallon. The new standard would lead to nearly a billion more tons of planet-warming carbon dioxide released and the consumption of about 80 billion more gallons of gasoline over the lifetime of the vehicles built during the terms of the new rule, according to a recent draft of the plan. Some features of the Trump proposal include vehicle prices could be reduced by $1,000, but consumers would pay more than $1,400 more in fuel. Accounting for miles traveled, the rule results in more premature deaths from air pollution, up to 1,600. The rule cuts automotive revenue by $50 billion, resulting in job losses in the auto sector of over 10,000 by 2030. Despite the COVID-19 pandemic, or maybe because of it, the oil industry is scrambling for new ways to profit from its dirty fuel. It already demanded that Congress lower royalties for drilling on public land to no avail, and now it's asking that governing body to buy $3 billion worth of crude oil for its strategic petroleum reserves. A bipartisan group in Congress has introduced a bill that would require the government to buy up oil during the current glut on the market when the demand is very low. Research from 2017 has shown that the fossil fuel industry receives many government handouts. Half of their profits were tied to tax benefits and royalties. During the pandemic, it's questionable whether government funds should subsidize polluters. World methane emissions have reached an all-time high, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Methane is about 80 times more potent a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. It threatens the climate severely, but remains in the atmosphere for only about a decade, unlike CO2, which lasts hundreds of years. Methane emissions come from natural sources, such as wetlands and emissions from livestock, as well as human-made sources, like oil and gas drilling. Limiting methane emissions from oil and gas extraction sites should be the first course of action. 
The industry could install equipment that would enable it to collect the natural gas, which is mainly methane, and sell it. However, companies are unwilling to pay for the collection equipment because there are no profits in doing so, and federal regulations forcing them to uncover the methane are lacking. It's been estimated that the fossil fuel industry could decrease methane emissions by 45% at no net cost. The Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, representing the state government, is rushing the permitting process for the Line 3 pipeline, a tar sands oil pipeline owned by the company Enbridge that would threaten the state's water, conflict with indigenous rights, and emit as much carbon dioxide as 50 new coal plants. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the agency canceled public hearings on the project, but extended the public comment period by only one week. At a time when there is a huge oversupply of oil in the world, Line 3 would move over 760,000 barrels of tar sand oil, the dirtiest oil on the planet, from Alberta, Canada, through northern Minnesota to Wisconsin. Line 3 would endanger more than 200 waterways, including wild rice beds sacred to the Anishiabe people. The oil the pipeline would transport would have a larger climate impact each year than the entire state of Minnesota's economy has. As the novel coronavirus spreads across central Indiana, Hoosiers are holed up in their homes to wait out the pandemic. And much like in other cities across the world, this has created a particular environmental benefit. Air quality has improved. Simply put, fewer cars on the road means fewer pollutants fouling the air. An Indiana stay-at-home order means there are a lot fewer cars on the road. The state's main air monitor for Indianapolis showed a 38% drop in emissions of nitrogen dioxide, a substance commonly used as a measure of traffic pollution, as compared to the same period last year. The stay-at-home order has resulted in better air quality immediately, according to Gabrielle Filippelli, director of the Center for Urban Health at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. The improvement could be particularly beneficial in central Indiana, which has historically had high levels of air pollution, concerning public health experts. Professor Filippelli, who monitors the air quality sensors around Indianapolis as part of his work, said he believes the drop in nitrogen dioxide is predominantly caused by the reduction in vehicle traffic. Nitrogen dioxide emitted from the burning of fuel, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says, is known to aggravate the respiratory system. What the situation provides for us is an example of air quality if electric vehicles comprise a substantial part of our transportation. People confined to their homes during the COVID-19 outbreak are finding creative ways to work, socialize, and entertain themselves, all from a safe distance. For those feeling as though their wings have been clipped by stay-at-home orders, the simple act of watching those that are flying freely just outside their windows can offer some solace. Birding is a fun and educational experience that offers a special kind of stress relief. Whether luring the feathered friends to a backyard feeder or taking a stroll with a pair of binoculars, many birders in Bloomington have been very active in posting daily observations. And now for our feature, we will hear Enrique Sands from the Indiana Environmental Reporter talk about regulation suspension. 
We're definitely in the middle of a public health crisis. Nearly half a million people in the United States have tested positive for COVID-19. Nearly 17,000 Americans have died of the disease. Because of the situation, state and federal agencies tasked with protecting human health and the environment have changed the way they operate. They've adopted temporary enforcement discretion policies that allow regulated businesses to violate some environmental regulations during this COVID-19 public health emergency. Both the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the state of Indiana's Department of Environmental Management said the policy is necessary due to the effect COVID-19 is having on a reduced workforce. But environmental groups say the policy will allow polluters to endanger human health through more pollution. This is Abby Dillon, president of the environmental advocacy group Earth Justice. The first is that as we watch the progress of this pandemic, even as early as February, we began to be worried that the COVID crisis would provide a pretext for unraveling environmental protections even more aggressively, even more quickly, even with less process, and that we would see the Trump administration take advantage of this very chaotic time to step on the gas and move forward egregious actions that leave us all less protected without the kind of robust public participation that our laws require. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. COVID-19 really, I think, exposes the consequences of ignoring science and dismantling the institutions that are designed to protect us. Local groups say IDEM's similar policy will endanger Hoosier health. Jesse Carbanda is the executive director of the Hoosier Environmental Council. He said IDEM's policy is a positive affirmation of the agency's role in protecting public health, but is not sufficiently protective of human health. The EPA announced it would institute a temporary enforcement discretion policy for civil environmental legal obligations like routine monitoring and reporting requirements. The agency said it would not seek penalties for noncompliance if that noncompliance was caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The EPA said the policy does not provide leniency for intentional criminal violations of law. EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler said the EPA's enforcement authority and responsibility remains active. He said that this policy is not a nationwide waiver of environmental rules. The EPA will continue to work with federal, state, and tribal partners to ensure that facilities are meeting regulatory requirements while taking appropriate steps to protect the health of EPA staff and the public. But that leads to the question, will those state partners be there? IDEM has adopted a similar policy during this health crisis, saying it would also allow environmental regulation non-compliance if the regulated entity says COVID-19 contributed to the ongoing compliance. Its policy announcement reads in part, IDEM has not identified any regulatory requirements that should be waived as a result of workforce impacts due to COVID-19. Rather, all regulated entities are encouraged to take all available actions necessary to ensure continued compliance with environmental regulations and permit requirements to protect the health and safety of Hoosiers and the environment. However, in the instance that non-compliance is unavoidable due to impacts from COVID-19, IDEM will exercise enforcement discretion as appropriate. IDEM said regulated entities must continue maintaining records to document activities related to the non-compliance. IDEM is also authorized to extend any non-essential deadline up to 60 days if necessary. The policy will help businesses during the crisis, but loopholes could allow those same businesses to pollute Indiana's environment and endanger human health. Carbenda said the policy encourages rather than requires companies to take all actions necessary to remain compliant and keep in contact with IDEM. The policy also does not make a distinction between administrative noncompliance and other noncompliance that could directly affect public health, like, for instance, a spill. Carbanda said that IDEM is setting the expectation to regulated entities that the agency will not be as rigorous in enforcing the law during the crisis, 
which could cause companies to understaff positions that are effectively essential in nature. There's also the matter of staffing. Item funding has decreased by 20% in the last decade. One of the hardest hit item sectors was the Hazardous Waste Management Program, which suffered a 76% cut even as more hazardous sites needed cleanup. State and federal regulations require permitted facilities to track certain air and water pollutants and to submit non-compliance reports whenever the facilities exceed their permit limits for those pollutants. But even without a virus complicating matters, companies have often had issues with their reporting. One recent example is the ArcelorMittal steel mill in Burns Harbor. In August 2019, the company admitted releasing elevated levels of cyanide and ammonia into the Little Calumet River. The spill resulted in about 3,000 dead fish and closed down beaches and parts of the Indiana Dunes National Park. IDEM ordered the company to conduct daily 24-hour composite sampling of the water discharge from an outfall where the facility's coke plant, center plant, blast furnaces, and other essential areas are discharged. The company submitted non-compliance reports days and weeks after the violations first occurred and would also initially report effluence violations slightly above permitted limits, only to revise the reports weeks later with a much higher monitored value. The company collected water samples and sent them to independent laboratories for testing. IDEM said it found sampling deficiencies in data submitted by the company in the months after the chemical release. The company has denied manipulating data. The report detailing IDEM's finding was forwarded to the IDEM Office of Water Quality's Enforcement Section. Carbonda is concerned these types of serious reporting issues would become much more frequent during the time IDEM is practicing the COVID-19 enforcement discretion. With thousands of Hoosiers testing positive for the disease, Governor Holcomb has extended a stay-at-home order until at least April 20th and continued the policies that allow only essential services to continue operating. It's unclear whether IDEM's enforcement discretion would end at that date or continue for much longer. Now that two levels of environmental enforcement are gone for the foreseeable future, some environmental groups said the federal enforcement discretion guideline could allow companies to take advantage of the public health crisis. In a letter to members of Congress, EPA Assistant Administrator Susan Parker Bodine said, Irresponsible allegations that EPA is giving industry a license to pollute mischaracterizes the agency's response to those risks and impugns the work that the dedicated agency officials continue to perform during this challenging time. Bodine said the temporary policy does require case-by-case -case determinations that will be made after the pandemic is over. The EPA may determine that a company's non-compliance was not caused by COVID-19. If the EPA decides to investigate every company for non-compliance, those companies found violating environmental law could escape penalties altogether. A recent report released by the EPA's Office of Inspector General found that compliance monitoring activities, enforcement actions, and enforcement results have declined greatly since 2006. The report found that inspections have decreased by 33% and enforcement actions with penalties have decreased by 53%. The EPA found that the lowest numbers for EPA enforcement came in 2018, the year Andrew Wheeler became the acting EPA administrator. For Echo Report, I'm Sarah Callanan. And I'm Patrick Callanan. Support for Eco Report comes from Blooming Foods Market and Deli, Bloomington's locally grown co op grocery since 1976, offering products with a focus on local, fair trade, natural, and organic with support for farmers, producers, agencies, and artisans. Blooming Foods Market and Deli on East 3rd Street near College Mall, West 6th Street near the Courthouse Square, and Shreve Hall on the Ivy Tech campus. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at ECA Report, we are currently looking for reporters and segment producers. 
Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of expertise and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for EcoReport, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003, and on the web at mpisolar.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman wrote the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Patrick Callanan. And I'm Sarah Callanan. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to The Eco Report, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source for South Central Indiana, bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.